Welcome into the Cougar Tailgate, where BYU fandom lives. Here's your host, Lauren McClain. What's up, everyone? Today we'll be talking with a four-time Olympic speed skater and the chair of the Utah Olympic Committee, Catherine Rainey Norman, about this year's games and if and when the Winter Games will return to Utah. But first, we have the awesome opportunity to hear from somebody who is enjoying and working the Tokyo Games from the big city itself, Junior Phillips. Junior, domo arigato. How's Tokyo, my friend? It is awesome. It's really great. Um, It's amazing. Everyone has been super nice. You would not know. It's been phenomenal. It's it's been great. I've I've really enjoyed it here. What's the feel like in Tokyo right now since it's been uh, inundated from with a bunch of foreigners? What's the feel like in Tokyo? Well, it's a little different. I'm actually on kind of a little bit on the outskirts of Tokyo. We're about an hour away in uh, Saitama where basketball is. And so we've kind of talked about like our feel is a little different to where we uh, we go out and and we're the only venue out here and stuff. So people are kind of living their everyday lives and people stare at us. Um, because we're different. And it's funny because then they catch themselves staring at us and then they stare off in a different direction. But right <laughs> as you walk by, they kind of side eye you and, and stuff. So we, we have fun with it and say hi and, um, and stuff. Some people get excited to see us, but it's, it's, been, it's been pretty cool. I love it. Well, you're, you're working basketball, men and women's. Uh, what's that experience been like for you so far? Um, it's been amazing. Um, you know, it's kind of one of those, uh, bucket list things, I guess you can say, um, we've got to work I worked the very first, uh, men's game against France, unfortunately, where they lost. Um, <laughs> but w- when they play, we're either working the game or you get to sit in the arena and watch, which wow. is a lot of fun. Um, you know, to see both the men and the women and, and see some of the amazing basketball. I think one of the, the neatest things um, I look back at when they played um, Iran, we were sitting there and there was someone who was working the Olympics and he's from the Philippines and stuff and lives in Japan right now and stuff. He's probably in his early 20s and he's sitting there and watching Team USA when they would dunk in three and just he was really into it and big and it he was super excited. And then I realized he's never seen this. We see this in the NBA. These are NBA players where we can go to a a game and, and see them. But this is the first time he has ever seen in person up close, um, these unbelievable basketball players. So junior, what, what do your day-to-day duties look like? You're you're about a week and a half in what, what does it look like for you each day? I'll I'll get up, um, just kind of hang out and take care of some work. Like right now, you know, my family's up and, and things. So we'll we'll talk and FaceTime and then um, get ready. And we'll take a COVID test every day, which is just luckily it's just saliva tests, just a spit test. Mm-hmm. Drop that off on our way in, get checked in. And then we sit down and do two games a day. And what's neat about working in the Olympics is we are providing the broadcast for everyone, including NBC. NBC will have their announcers there on the floor, but there's only one set of cameras on the field of play sending that out. And so it's a very different broadcast where you don't have the announcers. Leading up, the 10 minutes leading up, we're extremely scripted as from 10 minutes on the clock to 10.30 run this, and then from uh, 9.30 on the clock to nine minutes 
you run this. And then for these 15 seconds, you run this. What an incredible opportunity. You mentioned that people kind of stare at you guys because you look different uh, coming off on and off the train. And I know you haven't been able to tour the city, but what's one of the biggest cultural differences that you've noticed so far? Um, you know, everyone's, everyone's really friendly and stuff. Um, I'm, I'm trying to think, I mean, you know, there's the, the bowing respect, um, and stuff, uh, you know, a, a minor thing, food portions are a lot smaller <laughs> and, and so you kind of have to plan for that or, or understand that coming in, but it's just, you know, little things that, um, little differences in the way um, things are done, but it's, I don't know, you know, you go to a store and stuff, we're used to this massive variety of soda and in the stores, there's Coke and Coke Zero Uh, and that's it. Well, soda connoisseurs like ourselves, Junior, that that uh, won't suffice, but I'm, I'm sure you'll be okay. You'll be okay for the rest of the month, but yeah, I can, I'll, I'll handle that. But no, it's, it's something different, like to get used to, um, that there's tea everywhere. Uh, and, and just like, that's, those are the options and they have this drink and it's, it, it looks kind of cloudy. It looks like really, really, really cold water, kind of cloudy. And I thought it was cold water because it, you know, it looked just like water, but no, it's kind of like a Gatorade drink. Um, okay. <laughs> and so there's a lot of that and stuff, which is, which is fun and it's good and, um, and things, but yeah, it's, it's kind of a different thing. We, like you said, I haven't been able to, to travel outside. We're hoping. So for the first 14 days, we're under kind of a quarantine where we can be at our hotel and the venue and there's one convenience store right next to the hotel that we can go to. And that's kind of it um, wow. until our 14 days is up and then we'll be able to go. We won't have a lot of time. We'll have just a few hours every day. So not quite sure. There's a couple things where we've talked to local people that we're going to try and go see, but we'll, uh, we'll kind of see what happens once that, that 14 days is up. I was going to ask you when you're all done working basketball, cause I know you have to wait until then, what are you most looking forward to doing or seeing while you're there in Tokyo? You know, I, we do the gold medal game on uh, Sunday, August 8th. And then the 9th, I hop on a plane, head back. So um, there's, there is this, uh, the world's oldest Buddhist temple that we're going to try really hard to kind of go see. Um, yeah, with, with COVID, unfortunately, it may be one of those where I have to come back at a later date. And being here has made me want to come back. And mm. um kind of experience and see what Tokyo's like and not, you know, in these scenarios. What would you say has been the coolest part? And you mentioned, I mean, just obviously being there at the basketball game, seeing these incredible athletes, seeing people from all over the world and enjoying it for the first time. What's been one of the coolest parts about being a part of the Tokyo games for you? I think it's just kind of the realizing that like we're doing this for the world. Um, there was, it was, we had an, an interesting experience. Um, we were on the phone with one of like the heads of the broadcasting and they were kind of calling in between games and going over and making sure. And they were looking at every little detail about every cable being covered mm. um, and stuff and everything looking clean. They didn't like the fact that 
photographers were sitting on the ground um, and stuff and they wanted to do it. And, and she made a comment and she said, guys, this isn't the NBA. This is the Olympics. And it made me like, at first I was a little stunned by that, but then I, I kind of thought about it and stuff. And it was like, Hey, this is, this is the Olympics. This is kind of the biggest sporting event in the world um, and stuff. And it's a little different. So I think just having an opportunity to be on that crew, to be part of that, you, you go into our little control room area, which is almost like a village. Um, and it's languages from all over the world and, and stuff. And so that's, that's kind of been the neat part is people from all over the world working together to make this the best that they can. Absolutely incredible. I love that so much. What, what a neat experience for you, uh, networking, just making new friends, being a part of the Olympic Games. And I'm so excited for you that you get to have this opportunity. So good luck today. All right. Thank you so much. Good Thanks to talk so much, to you. Junior. Up next, four-time Olympian and chair of the Utah Committee of the Games, Catherine Rainey Norman, coming up on Cougar Tailgate. Welcome back to the Cougar Tailgate. I'm Lauren McLean. We're talking all things Olympic Games. And joining me now is a four-time Olympian, a 10-time World Championship team member, and a six-time U.S. all-around champion who set three records. On top of all that, she is now the chair of the Salt Lake City, Utah Committee for the Games, Catherine Rainey Norman. Thanks for joining me, Catherine. Thank you so much for having me today. Yeah, so you're an incredible athlete who competed in four winter games, including the 2002 Salt Lake City Games, obviously dedicated a good portion of your life to the sport of speed skating. What inspired you to join the Salt Lake City, Utah Committee of the Games after you retired? I was always involved in um, in athlete representation and athlete rights. I served as an athlete rep to the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee on behalf of my sport, which was speed skating. And then I also served an additional four years as the vice chair for the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee's Athletes Advisory Council. So I was voted in by my peers, summer and winter sport. Um, So I've just always stayed involved in the movement in regards of advocacy. Um, I sit on board of directors here in Utah for the Utah Olympic Legacy Foundation. I have coached local club kids and and just I've always stayed involved and I felt it was important to do that and to give back uh, to the up and coming athletes and to our youth and community. So many people paved that way for myself and I've, I've always felt it uh, important to give back. And so being involved in this effort has just been, um, it's been an honor and a privilege. And I am so excited about the possibility of bringing a games back here to Salt Lake City. The O2 games were just remarkable. And what it did not only for the athletes, but for our community and our state was um, in- incredible and, and excited to be a part of this again. So cool. I love I love when athletes give back and it sounds like you're just an incredible person. You're now the chair of that committee, which now after speaking with you a little bit is not surprising. Uh, you seem like just a great person. What's the main thing you're trying to accomplish right now as far as promoting another Olympic bid in Utah? So what we're working on right now, there's actually a lot of work happening um, in the background. We are working 
very closely with the U.S. Olympic and Paralympic Committee, um, the International Olympic Committee, the International Paralympic Committee, and really having a, a constructive dialogue with them in regards to uh, which year of the games we should pursue. Is that 2030? Is that 2034? We want to make sure that we are making the right decision that benefits our state, that benefits the uh, Olympic and Paralympic movement here in the United States, as well as internationally. And so we are working very diligently on, uh, you know, what a games plan could look like, what that would manifest into. We're having conversations with our athletes as to ways that we can enhance our games, as well as our community uh, leaders and uh, political leaders as to what impact they would like to see at games here in Utah. And so there are a lot of pieces to the puzzle that are, are starting to come together. And that's what we're really focused on right now. Catherine, what is it about Utah that makes you and, and other athletes feel it should be considered as a top option to hold another games? Utah has this amazing culture of sport. Um, I think it's something that draws athletes into coming here to train. You obviously have the physical benefits of our altitude, of our mountains, of our beautiful scenery, our incredible snow. Um, but you also have this incredible culture of, of sport that um, is really quite unique. I think Utahns believe in the power of sport. You'll hear a lot of us in the Olympic and Paralympic movement talk about the power of sport. You're seeing that right now as you're watching the games happen and unfold and how, um, how athletes can overcome adversity and be resilient and show their vulnerabilities as well. And so Utah is just so, it's so special in that regards you know, from a, a practicality standpoint, we have done remarkable things by hosting hundreds of events since the O2 Games, summer and winter events, Olympic events, Paralympic events, and even kind of those those non-traditional events. And so we are very welcoming. We know how to put on a fantastic event. We have excellent facilities that have been left over from the O2 Games that are in higher usage than they were back in O2, which is very mm -hmm. remarkable to see. Um, a beautiful blend between community um, engagement and opportunity with high performance. You know, it isn't uncommon to go out to the Utah Olympic Oval and your learn to skate instructor is most likely a national team or Olympic level athlete. Um, that's pretty cool, right? And what an opportunity yes. for, for children to have those role models. And so Utah is a very special place. We have the infrastructure, we have the knowledge, and we have that belief and spirit in a culture of sport and power of sport. Absolutely. And I, it seems like that's that's a very unique, all those things that you mentioned. You have the opportunity, and you've mentioned throughout this interview, working with several other world-renowned athletes on the committee. What's that like having them join you in your efforts and just being able to be around them so much? I am. I think that's the thing I get the most excited about. <laughs> I, I am constantly thinking about how can we engage our athletes. And we have so many incredible athletes that are a part of this effort. Um, Nathan Chen, Ted Ligley, Noel Pikes-Pace, Derek Parra, Eric Hyden. Um, the list is 
endless. And, mm. you know, what's really exciting is when I think my favorite phone calls thus far have been calling the athletes and asking them to be a part of this effort because every single one of them, it is a resounding yes, yes, yes. How can I be involved? I want to give back. And that's just amazing. And so it's fun to connect, you know, reconnect with old teammates. Um, but it's also really interesting to hear their perspectives on a games, ways that we can improve and also provide their insight from their professional talents. You know, we have many, many of our athletes have gone on to have incredible careers. Um, Apollo Ono going on to become an, this amazing entrepreneur and NBC commentator, Ted Ligety, another one who has done great things in his professional career as an entrepreneur and businessman. So to have them bring that expertise in conjunction with their athletic experience experience is just a amazing dynamic for us to tap into. Well, I can imagine you guys spend so much time of your lives on your one specific sport that is just ingrained in you and, and probably sometimes hard to let go of. And so you, you can want to continue to give back, as you've mentioned, Catherine, right now, the Tokyo games are currently happening. When you're watching these athletes compete, you know, firsthand what they've been going through, so you watch it differently than the rest of us. What goes through your mind as you watch the games? Oh, I'm just so proud of all of them. <laughs> I am so proud of them. And to see what they have had to endure, like everybody else here in our, in our, in our country and across the world, um, to go through that level of uncertainty of, you know, are the games going to happen? Are they not? And to stay right. focused and resilient and keep pushing through. Um, I am so proud of them to see them get to this point and to see their enthusiasm too. You know, there was a lot of discussion, obviously, leading up to these games regarding the decision to not have um, spectators in the, in the stadiums. And that's very, very justified and reasonable. And I think it's just really exciting to see, you see their focus still, you see their excitement when they have finished their events. Um, I think it's just, I'm really proud of them. They're, they're doing an excellent job. They're representing team USA so well. Um, we're, we're having, remarkable stories of achievement come out of these games and uh it's 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 exciting to be to be able to watch it i can only imagine how incredibly difficult it is physically emotionally and mentally when you see star athletes like simone biles decide to put her mental and physical health first and decide to withdraw what does that mean to you to watch that i i think it just demonstrates an incredible level of bravery Right. Um, she, what Simone is doing out there on the field of play, she is pushing her body to extreme levels and the, the performances that she's putting on, whether it's vault or uneven bars, you know, what she does is, is it's, you know, it's almost superhuman. Right? Yes, otherworldly is what I the word that exactly. came to my brain. Yes, exactly. And for her to be able to stand up and and say, "I'm not 
okay to perform at this level right now. Um, because you have to, when you are performing at that level and doing that high degree of difficulty and you're not completely prepared in every aspect, physical and mental, you run the risk of seriously injuring yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so I think she's just incredibly brave. I think it's incredibly brave to stand up and say, I need to take a step back with all of the pressures that have been put on her from the media, from sponsors, from herself, right. from her coaches, her team. She's feeling a lot of pressure. And so to be able to stand up and say that she needs to take a step back, I, I think it's brave. I love that. I completely agree. Catherine, when you were competing yourself, what would you say was the most rewarding part about being a part of the games? It was, and, and, uh, it was the 2002 games, um, Hmm. were absolutely remarkable games, very well planned, very well done. But the turning point for me in those games and throughout my career, and, and I think also why I stay involved was the opening ceremonies. My first Olympic Games were in 1998 in Japan, in Nagano. And, you know, I was 17 years old and it was just this thrill to have made the team. And, you know, I just was taking in all of the, the atmosphere of, of the games, right? And mm-hmm. in 2002, we obviously, we had the tragedy of 9-11 leading up to the games. And so many of us didn't even know if the games were going to happen, if they could happen or if they should happen. Right. Um, And I remember being in the stadium and seeing the World Trade Center flag uh, be walked in. Stadium went silent. You could hear a pin drop. And seeing every single day we had um, Army Reserve men there protecting us, making sure all the athletes were safe, making sure the games went off safely. And it was for me that was the games that I realized the importance. I realized um, what it means to wear Team USA and have USA on on my back. And uh, it, it's carried through with me to, to today, quite honestly. Um, it, it profoundly impacted me. And I think it really is a, a reason why I believe in the movement. I believe in Team USA. I believe in the importance of representing our country, of being a role model. And it was that event. That gave me the chills hearing you uh, talk about that. I I completely forgot that it was the the games right after 9-11. So I I can't even imagine what that was like for you and the other athletes. We kind of mentioned already with Simone Biles and some of the difficulties and the pressure that are put on these athletes. For you, looking back at the, the four games that you were in, what would you say was the most difficult part about being an athlete? The pressure I put on myself to perform, mm. for sure. You know, you you put a lot of pressure on yourself. You 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 understand the sacrifices that you've made every single day, um, the sacrifices that your family has made, uh, the decision that you've made for this course of your life, and the fact that there you know things are my races were or four minutes and seven minutes, right? Some races are, you know, a, a hundred meter dash is <laughs> nine seconds, right? Right, so right. You train for 25 years of your life for nine seconds. 
it's it's a lot of pressure. It's a lot of pressure, and and I I think that um, is something maybe maybe a little bit of regret that I have that I I wish I hadn't have put so much pressure on myself. But it's something that right. many athletes go through, um, right? Because that's what it comes down to, right? You have one Absolutely. shot, that's it. one shot, one time, everything that you've worked for in your entire life leading up to it. And so it, it's a, it's a bit of, it's a burden, you know, and uh, being able to work through that and, and, you know, the, the best thing you can do is try to channel that energy into your performance. So, yeah. Wow. I, I have so much respect for you and for other athletes because I do, I watch these games and like you mentioned, I watch like the hundred meter dash and I just think all these, all their training, everything they've done leads up to this one moment. So I can't imagine the pressure. I know you're a winter sports gal, but what's your favorite summer sport to watch? Well, I do. I love cycling. Um, and okay. I'm partial to that because as a speed skater, you know, we do a lot of cycling and I did, I dabbled a little bit in, in racing and cycling. And so I love watching cycling. Um, I have really enjoyed the swimming, the track and field is starting now. And then, um, and I, I, I have to give a plug. I'm excited to watch, uh, sport climbing. I'll disclose my <laughs> husband has been in charge of, of climbing here. And, oh, no way. And, yeah, but he is the CEO of USA Climbing and they are based here in Utah. And, and so it's been fun to get to know some of those athletes and uh, and their families. And so really excited to see that debut happen. Um, baseball, uh, it, the return of baseball into the games. And I'm sure you all saw Eddie Alvarez as one of our flag bearers. He and I were teammates in, in Vancouver. So just really excited to see Eddie compete here. And, uh, there's, there's just so many, it's on 24 <laughs> seven in my house. Let me be clear. 24 seven. It's stream. There's Twitter updates, the whole thing. It's happening. <laughs> As it should be. That's that's as it should be. I love to hear that about your husband. Just a just a big athletic family. I think that's so much fun. Catherine, I appreciate you so much taking the time. You're an incredible person and good luck with everything with the committee and, and with your life moving forward. Thank you so much. And thanks to everybody for their support in this effort. And, you know, we, we look forward to, to moving forward and, and supporting Utah. Thanks, Catherine. And that does it for us today. Thanks again to Junior Phillips and Catherine Rainey Norman for coming on the show with me. You can join the Cougar Tailgate virtually, of course, every Saturday at noon Mountain Time or download, rate, and review our podcast on Apple, TuneIn, Stitcher, Spotify, or on BYUradio.org. This is Cougar Tailgate.